What is up, everybody? Hi, hello, hey, Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode. I'm reviewing here a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watch and review Sight and Sound's top greatest movies of all time. What is Sight and Sound? I don't know. Google it. You have. You can do it. You can type. Type it up. I'm just kidding. I don't mean to be mean. Um, hi, everybody. I am also a little frazzled today because I am binging. I know when this episode comes out, it will be kind of old news, maybe. But I just uh, am binging uh, the Natalia Grace show on Max and... I am so shocked. I am so oddly, weirdly, twistedly, like, amused. I'm only on season one, and I say amused not because of the subject matter. I know that it's very serious, you know, matters here. I'm amused by this Michael Barnett guy because he seems like an SNL actor. I literally laughed out loud when he imitated what he alleges his wife did to their adopted daughter, where he you know, pretends to beat up the ground. This sounds terrible, but you watch that clip and I guarantee that you will probably chuckle a little bit. It is the weirdest show of all time. It is the weirdest story of all time. It is so freaking weird. I just like, I, I, I cannot get my head around it. I can't. It, this show is like, wow. I just, it's shocking. It's so shocking and so bizarre. And again, it's like a joke. It literally feels like a joke. Anyway, uh, none of that is related to today's movie. Today's movie, we are revi- we are um, revisiting a film from 2008 called The Headless Woman, also known in Spanish as Gracias para Vivar en la Casa. Just kidding. It is known in Spanish as... I memorized it, but I forgot. Oh, yeah. La Mujer Sin Cabas. Fuck it. I won't say it again. The Headless Woman. Take a listen. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, I somehow also don't remember this movie. Now, 2008 was a while ago, but I've spoken many, many times about how I am a freak because I remember every memory from my entire childhood and especially 2008 because that was an amazing year in cinema and that was junior year going, no, yeah, 
beginning of it was junior year. September, that's how it works. Duh, September senior year. Great year. And I remember the movies especially well. And I remember a good friend of mine, Annie, she was like really into all the indie films, just like this one, The Headless Woman. And I don't remember it. I don't know. I don't even remember it playing here in Philadelphia. This is the third movie by Lucretia Martel. Now, Lucretia Martel, she did the movie Zama, which I reviewed just a few episodes ago. I was a little um, taken aback because I looked at her, uh, Martel's filmography. She's only done a few feature films. And when I say a few, I mean four. That's it. Yeah, she's done a lot of short films and she's done some like music, I think either music videos or commercials, but mainly though, her focus is on short films. Now, The Headless Woman, I don't know if you remember Zama, um, and the big point in the in the film and in Martel's you know, visual style is that her films are very, very psychological. She hones in on very, very paranoid flawed people who are very aloof and confused and scared and and distraught but you know do their best to not show it on their faces and she does that she shows you know those characters in her films and then she uses the camera to show what they are thinking inside she uses the camera like a wand like a magic tool like a wand. I can't think of another thing. Um, yeah, but you know, there's a lot in Zama that is very similar here in The Headless Woman. Um, I didn't love this movie. I hate to say it. And you know what? I rewatched it and I still didn't really love it. The movie is similar to Zama in that, yes, it is about a character who is very, very upset and distraught. And so it's similar for that reason. But, you know, Zama held my attention a little bit more, I think, because it had the period piece setting to it. It had the costumes and the makeup and the setting location and all that. The Headless Woman is a modern day story um, a ver- about a very conventional everyday life of a woman. And there is something that happens that basically drives her crazy and it's something that is serious but you know she convinces herself that it is worse than that you know it's a hard movie to point down I mean it is but it isn't it's a movie about someone who thinks something happened but everybody tells her that it didn't and then the movie basically shows her slowly losing her mind and then you become disillusioned with what you're seeing just like her And it becomes a very frustrating film overall. That's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because it's meant to be frustrating. It's a bad thing because it makes you pissed off and it makes you feel like you've lost an hour and a half of your day. The movie overall, I did not find to be very memorable, at least not as memorable and effective as Zama was. Yeah, I don't know. Still thinking about this one. I still am though, which is kind of a good thing, but... I don't know. I don't know. IDK. Plots and ups. So yes, uh, this is another Argentinian movie because Lucretia Martel is Argentinian and she makes Argentinian films. That's her thing. That's how she does it. Uh, this film is centered around uh, an, a middle, uh, yeah, kind of elderly woman. No, not elderly. Adult woman. 
let's call her, named Veronica Vero, uh, nickname. She's played by actress Maria Oneto. She is an Argentinian bourgeois woman, and we see how her life slowly twists out of control after she thinks perhaps she struck and killed a person with her car in daylight. As Vero is um, driving, she is distracted by her cell phone, and as she looks down to answer it, her car hits something. We don't see what she hits. It's a, you know the camera is positioned right in the driver's seat, and it doesn't move. We just hear the bang, and that's it. She peers in the rearview mirror, collects herself, and drives away. What did she see? We don't really know. A nine a non point of view shot. Uh, Vero driving away from the scene shows a dog aw, lying dead on the ground. Although Vero seems indifferent about the situation, it is clear that the incident deeply disturbs her. Also, I forgot to say, in like the opening shot of this movie, we see a bunch of kids playing and they're running across the street and they're chasing after this dog. Yeah, wink, wink, foreshadowing. There's another kind of foreshadowing where, you know, uh, Vero is... is um, with her friends and there's this kid in her car and the kid is putting his hands against the glass uh, or the, the window, I mean, and he's saying, you know, someone says, don't get in there. Like you'll suffocate, you know, you'll die. Wink, wink again, foreshadowing. Did Vero kill a kid and not a dog? Huh? So Vero becomes very, paranoid she starts to act clumsy and out of pace when she informs her husband marcos that she, that she thinks she may have run over someone she insists upon returning to the scene of the accident they see something on the side of the road which her husband insists is merely a dog although vero is even more unsure than before so again they're kind of just like i don't know what it is but it was probably a dog just relax chill Later, the body of a dark-skinned servant's child is recovered from a canal right above the spot where the accident occurred. Vero's niece, Candita, who has a crush on Vero, tells her, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird, uh, tells her that she wants to know more about, quote, that boy who was murdered. But Vero insists that the boy was drowned. She says, the papers say he was drowned. He wasn't murdered. But everybody, again, just doesn't really seem to listen to her, and she doesn't really seem to listen to the people. It's a very disorienting set of events, you know? So Vero is still privately unconvinced, and uh, in, in, in an attempt to jog back her memory after the accident, she revisits a hospital, hospital where she had x-rays taken, as well as a hotel where she had a post-accident uh, tr tryst, 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 affair, I can never say that word, with her lover, Juan Manuel, so she was having an affair this whole, uh, this whole time. Well, we know it early on in the movie, that is, but... Anyway, things get weird, though, because Vero discovers that there are no records of her visit to a hospital and the hotel where she stayed at. Finally, she attends a bourgeois party in a hotel, smiling weakly and dazedly as people enter in and out of the busy frame. Now, at the hospital, was her record maybe taken away by her brother who works there? We don't know. At the hotel... Was the reservation scrubbed by Juan Manuel, the man she was sleeping with? We don't know. And then the movie ends. The end.
So, what does it all mean? What happens at the end? Was it all in her head? We don't know. Now, I like that in the movie. I did like that. Uh, this movie is very, very slow. It did test my patience because the plot is just so tiny and minuscule and there isn't really a full I mean there isn't really a full plot. It's just a psychological drama. A lot of people even describe this as a thriller. And it kind of is in a weird way. You do very subtly see this woman begin to lose her mind, you know? Think like Black Swan, but like G-rated and like very, very slow or and less twisted. I mean, like seriously, that that is what this is about. This is essentially a movie about a woman having close to a mental breakdown over this. Now, overall, it's very well made. I, I give Martel a lot of credit for that. You know, she, again, I said this in my Zama interview, or Zama interview, <laughs> Zama podcast. Yeah, I interviewed Zama, the fictional character. I said this a lot in that episode that Martel is a very, very ingenious filmmaker with the camera. You know, she knows, and with editing, you know, she knows how to add little hints in the frame in every frame, you know? I mean, I mentioned the part with the little boy putting his handprints on the window and, and, you know, when Vero hits whatever, she stand, she's sitting there, you know, very, you know, uh, perturbed by, by this. And then just in the corner, you know, right next to her, you see the handprints on the window. It's very chilling. It's a very chilling moment. And there's a lot of other things in this movie that, you know, are both foreshadowing images, but also just add to this overall surrealness and dreamlike re- reality that we're experiencing. You know, there's another moment where Vero's in her house and she walks in the kitchen and there's a dead dog on her kitchen counter and her husband walks in and it's just like, oh, I'll, I'll get rid of it. And it's like, did he run over it and he just brought it in the house? You know, it. you do start to lose your mind a little bit in this film. You do. Um, in a lot of ways, you do. The shots, the, the the general, you know, flow of the movie, it's very slow, I understand, but it does really put you in a weird trance. And, you know, Martel is a genius at, at that. You know, she knows how to put you in a trance, even if this is the most boring movie ever. She knows that she's got you hooked, you know? And that's a fantastic quality of... Um, or skill, that is, of any filmmaker, you know, especially, you know, indie filmmakers especially. That is why people love Martel so much. Why didn't I love the movie? I just left the movie feeling a little bit, eh, eh, you know? Disappointed, frustrated, understanding that it is meant to be a slow burn, but at the same time, very unsatisfied, deeply unsatisfied with the end. I think it's the end. Honestly, it is just the end. I mean, the slow pace, I admit, was not for me. Zama was also not for me, but, you know, I rewatched it and I did understand it a lot better. I understood The Headless Woman. I got that it's a paranoia uh, movie. It's a psychological movie. And even though it's only an hour and a half, though, it just drags. It drags and drags and drags. And, you know, I just kind of wish that it ended with one big, you know, not like a gotcha moment, but like a little oomph, you know, like a little, oh, wow, you know, Zama does, this one doesn't, in my honest opinion. So I don't know. I don't know about this one. I really, really don't. BTS Secrets and Scandals. 
So the movie, you got it, was filmed in... <gasps> Argentina, of course. That's very, very obvious. Um, so there's two other interesting... Uh, well, no, they're not interesting. There's one interesting little fact that I did not recognize because um, I was not listening closely enough. The song playing on the car radio at the time when the accident happens is called Soli Soli by the appropriately named group Middle of the Road. Huh. Martel, I like that. I get that. Vero is driving in the middle of the road, listening to a song played by a band called Middle of the Road. Clever, hmm? Yeah, there's not a lot of trivia for this movie. I really couldn't find any. Um, it's very sad, actually. The actress who plays Vero, Maria Oneto, she committed suicide in March of 2023, which is really, really sad. The best moment it probably has to be the accident itself. The way that, you know, Martel plays with that camera. I mentioned that the kids handprints and, you know, the shot of the car going away. And in the very back in the, in the background, you can see what looks like a dead dog. It is very surreal. And that did get me hooked. Not that it's a dead dog, of course not. But, um, you know, it just, it adds to the whole dreamlike weirdness of the movie itself. And it worked. You know, there's other imagery, imagery in this film that is very effectively done. But I think overall, it's that opening, um, you know, sequence of it all. The foreshadowing and the imagery and the, the just the weird little bits of dialogue that it's also, uh, you know... That also just adds to the strangeness of all of this. It's a weird movie. Okay, case closed. It is a weird movie. There's one scene, for example, where Vero is watching something with her mother. It's like old wedding footage of, of her wedding, Vero's wedding, and or somebody's wedding. I forget. And her mom just basically says, um, oh, yeah, like, you used to be so beautiful. You used to be so great. Uh, yeah. Ouch. I mean, ouch. Am I right? Yeah. But what does that mean? What does that have to do with, with Vero's paranoid, you know, borderline nervous breakdown? I do not know. We don't really get any other info about her family life, about her mother. At least I didn't catch anything from it. I just think this woman thinks that she killed a kid. And that's why she's losing her mind. Mais est-ce que je suis d'accord avec les critiques de ce film? Now, this movie has, I think, a 75, 77% on Rotten Tea, Rotten Tomatoes. Not bad at all. There are quite a few reviewers, though, who kind of felt how I felt about the movie as well. Now, first of all, there were people that loved it. Uh, Alex v Vesey from <laughs> Bitch Media, that, that is real, it's, it's an actual publication, called the movie a deceptively plotless, taut, and intricate 89 minutes. It is plotless, it is a little taut, and it is... A little intricate. I mostly agree with that. Peter Bradshaw from uh, The Guardian called it a masterly disturbing and deeply mysterious film. Oh, mysterious indeed. It is very, very mysterious. Frustratingly mysterious. Patrick Peters from Empire Magazine uh, said the movie was slow-paced and self-indulgent in places, but a bravely intense use of camera work to explore the internal psychology of the characters. Amen. Internal psychology of the characters using the camera. Really good. Really good. This is what they pin down our throats in film school. If you're a film major, it's all about that. It's all about how to use the camera to show what the characters are thinking or how to show what you're trying to say in the movie. You know, it's all about that. 
I obviously did not do a good job of that. Anyway, Keith uh, Ulich of Time Out uh, called the movie an astounding portrait of a person entirely out of sync with her own existence. Agreed. She is out of sync. Stephen Holden from the New York Times. A full appreciation of Lucretia Martel's elegant, rain-soaked film, The Headless Woman, requires the concentration and eye for detail of her forensic detective. <laughs> oh, man, I do agree with that. I also forgot to mention that, you know, water and rain plays a big, uh, it's, it's a big motif in this movie. It's almost like a savior in a weird way. It's, it's like a way to escape. Uh, it's a way for Vero to kind of escape her situation. You know, after she hits whatever she hit, it starts to rain. So it, it kind of forces her to just drive away. There's another moment where she gets home and her husband's trying to talk to her and, she just puts the shower on and just walks in, you know, locks the bathroom door and walks right into the shower with her clothes on, you know? It's like she's escaping. So I get that. I get the water. Water is a popular motif in movies. David Jenkins from Time Out uh, says, and what could be one of the greatest films ever made about the emotional realities of a damaged mind, this giddily disorienting latest from Lucretia Martel is a work of frenzied genius. Somewhat agreeable. I agree. I just don't think it's one of the best, personally. Now, some people did not agree with the good, happy reviews of this movie. Kevin Moore of Times UK said, The pacing is so leaden and the direction so heavy-handed that it's fundamentally hard to care. I kind of agree. I think that's the other thing. I didn't really care about Vero as a character. I didn't care, you know? She's not portrayed as, like, a bad person, really, you know? But I feel like... Sorry, I just got a text. I feel like, you know, we're meant to kind of sympathize with her a little bit, but I couldn't care less about her and her little psychological mess, you know, her psychological whatever that she's in. Leo Robson of Financial Times said, We are never quite sure whether Vero is dreaming... Uh, whether Vero is dreaming, excuse me, what we are seeing, and I, for one, didn't care. Yeah. Same thing. Care is the big word here. Nick Shager, Shager of Lessons of Darkness said, so affected and emotionally inaccessible as to be borderline intolerable, describing the movie. I wouldn't call the movie intolerable. I think if you hate movies and you hate artsy movies, yeah, you're going to hate The Headless Woman and you're probably going to hate Zama as well. But I wouldn't be that harsh about it. Um, I just feel like movie could have been a little bit more powerful than it should have been. I think Martel is an amazing director, you know, very clever director, but I don't know. Again, her last movie on this list that I need to see is La Cienega, and that is sort of coming up. I don't know. I don't have the list in front of me. Is it really one of the best movies of all time? I don't think it is one of the best movies of all time, but I do admit, I think Lucretia Martel is one of the most interesting directors of all time, one of the most ingenious directors of all time. I will say that. I did, you see, I almost said best. I don't know about best because I haven't seen her two other movies. And, you know, this one didn't completely blow me away and shake me to my bones, but she deserves recognition 100%. You know, she is a real genius behind that camera. And regardless of if her movies are slow moving and frustrating because, you know, there aren't clear linear plots in them, they do affect you. They do. Effect. Effect, 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 effect. That's the big word I always use. If a movie affects you, even if you didn't like it, 
it did its job, you know? That's what, that's the power of cinema. If a movie can do that, that means that it did its job. So, you know what? I am going to end this by saying I do recommend The Headless Woman. I do recommend Zama. I do recommend, I haven't even seen it yet, but La Cienega and her other movie. I forget the name of it. I don't think it's on Satan Sounds List. I have to double check, but check her out. Check out her movies. And you know what? I do feel like you will be inspired to maybe, if you are, if you do want to make a movie, Look at Lucretia Martel and the way she films, and you will get a lot of, you know, inspiration. I 100% believe that. So give it a chance. Give Lucretia a chance. I just love saying Lucretia. It's like my favorite word in the world now. Lucretia. Lucretia. Oh, I love it. Thank you all for tuning in. I will see you next time. Uh, I just want to end this by saying, get off your ass and go to the goddamn movies, okay? I don't care if if the bus is running late. Get an Uber. I don't care if your Uber is running late. Run. Get some exercise. You can do it. Come on. I don't care if it's cold. It's cold today. I have to bike in a few minutes. How do you think I feel? I'm doing it. I'm going to the movies, and you should too, okay? Support your local goddamn theater now make a thousand dollar donation now make a five thousand okay all right i gotta come down i'm also really hungry okay bye-bye Oh, you made it. You made it. You made it. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here. New episodes drop Tuesdays and Fridays. You can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at I'm Reviewing Here. You can also subscribe on YouTube. New episodes drop there the same day they drop on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Please leave a review if you'd like. Be mean. Be nice. Hit on me. I don't really care. Candor really, really is important to me. And, you know, it helps the podcast too. So uh, I really hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is brought to you especially by Nervous Chuckles. That is my fake production company because I make people nervously chuckle all the time because they never know if I'm telling a joke or not. So they're always like, <laughs> oh, do I laugh? Do I not laugh? Is he serious? Is he insane? Did he get out of the, the loony? What's going on? So if I made you nervously chuckle, then that means that I did my job. And thank you. There is uh, no funding for this podcast, but if you want to give me money, then uh, yeah, like hit me up. DM me. Bye-bye.